thank you for uh, your obedience in in your giving. Just thank you for uh, continuing to to do what the do what the word says. At some point, we're going to dive in, you know, uh, deep and and looking at uh, principles of giving, the blessing of giving. Just uh, just haven't received the green light uh, from the Lord in regards to that. As far as a series uh, is concerned, I know it's been touched on and been talked about, you know, to to some degree with uh, with all the preaching and everything that's that's happened here over our uh, two year period. There's been a lot of word that has uh, that has come forth from uh, from this pulpit, and uh, grateful grateful for it because that's that's what we need to uh to be strengthened and to uh, truly grow in the fullness of who it is that that god's called us to be uh, god's called you to be strong and the the, the strength that we draw uh, our source that is uh, is his presence and, and and his word i need i need his atmosphere i need to be around him I need to be close to him then at the same time, I need to know what he said to me. Because knowing what it is that, that he has said to me gives me uh, the measuring stick, gives me the barometer by which I gauge everything else that's trying to say something to me. Because God's not the only one that's trying to talk to you. God's not the only one that's trying to get your attention. God's not the only one that's trying to say something to you. And if I allow uh, all those other voices to uh, gain a greater ear, over me and uh, that voice be louder than what it is that God has said to me that I'm going to have a hard time believing what it is that the Lord has said and having it manifest within my life because I've given something else a greater ear and so within this time it's preaching time just want to uh, to encourage us to, to let's, let's lock in, in these next these next few moments we've um We've been uh, last week was uh, was the kids. They did awesome, didn't they? They they did they did they did an amazing job from from start to finish, start to finish. It was just it was it was a good time, a good time, and we wanted everybody to um, just kind of get that front row seat experience of what happens with them when they're uh, across the way doing uh, doing their thing and doing what they do, and uh, they they're being taught and and led well. And uh, I'm really, really grateful for that. But uh, Pastor Michelle, she kind of touched on a little bit um, our series because we uh, we kind of try to stay on track. And and she will, uh, for lack of a better term, kid version, whatever it is that that we might be uh, talking about in in here. So we've been uh, we've been in this series. Go for it. This is um this is the third installment, fourth installment. I'm not sure which one it is, but but the idea. Uh, around this is that there is a call on your life and we you, you, we those that are around you, those of us who share the same faith as you the planet itself needs you to go for it we, we, we don't need you to sit back in fear and in trepidation as to whether you can do this or not this is something that that is a God call. There's a God call that's on you. There's something that that over the balcony of heaven, he has set something over you. 
And we need you to catch the revelation of what that is and then start to maneuver your life based off of what it is that's been said to you. We need you to go for it. Go for it. Now, now, when when if I just say that, if I just say go for it, the 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 missing piece, the behind the scenes, the backside of a blessing. I heard a pastor preach it one time that, that every blessing has a backside to it. Because we, I, can't, I catch and I'm inundated by the blessing itself. But I forget that there's a backside to everything. Case in point, when the children of Israel uh, were on their way to uh, take, take the promised land, it's a promised land that's been talked about uh, for generations. Okay, like every child that's come up in the desert, they've heard about this promised land and then they finally get to a generation to where they get to that actual piece of land that God's been talking to their forefathers about for so long. It's in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7, I believe it is, and it's somewhere else where the Lord makes this statement where he says to them that I'm going to drive your enemies out from this land that's rightfully yours, but I'm not going to do it all at once. He said, I'm going to do it. But I've got a plan as to how this is going to happen. He said, little by little, I'm going to continue to drive them out. Watch this. Because if I do it too fast, what's going to happen is the backside, because this is the blessing now. The land is the blessing. But the backside is there are wild animals that are out there. And if I clear out the people too fast, the animals are going to multiply too quickly against you. So if I do it too quick, I'm going to make another problem for you. So the Lord said little by little. It was the, that was the backside of what it was that was in front of them. Now, let's bring it back. The backside of going for it is that I don't just jump out blindly without a plan. I don't jump out blindly without consulting the Spirit of God. I don't jump out blindly because I've heard somebody say to me that you need to go for it and just in my emotion I move. No. There's a wisdom that we've got to make sure that we have and there, there are things that, that have got to be pieced together and over the next few weeks while we're talking about this that's, that's where we're about to go in this conversation of looking at the, the pieces that I need to be in place for me to go for it because going for it is for certain the call but there are key components and key pieces that have got to be in place and one of the first things that I've got to recognize is that for me to move forward, for me to progress in what it is that God has called me to and for me to go for it, there will be a cost. There will be a cost. So something's going to have to leave me. Something's going to have to change in order for me to move forward and to go after what it is that the Lord has called me to. Hence, the conversation for today, I, I want to uh, balance uh, on, on the subject of ticket, please. That's our subject for today. Ticket, please. I've, I've, when, I think, when I say this and I think about this, I immediately think train, but I've never actually ridden on a train, but I have uh, flown. And in order to, to take advantage 
uh, of the aircraft in moving me from one place to another, I first had to acquire cost to get my ticket, to give it to whoever it is that I need to give it to that gives me access to be able to move from one place to another. All I wanted to do was get us to think about and understanding that if you've got a ticket, somewhere a cost has hit your life. You incur cost. And when it comes to me moving in the fullness of God, moving, going for it, somewhere along the way, I got to see a ticket stub in your life. Somewhere along the way, I got to see somewhere where, where payment has been made. Like, oh, the, oh, this one cost you. It cost you to be who you are. It cost you to walk in that grace. It's going to cost you. But one thing that cost should never do, and we're going to dive in a little bit more. Cost should never scare me. I shouldn't run from cost. It's just, it's just a part of the package. It's a part of the package of me walking out the fullness of God, of me going for it. It's going to cost me. I understand. What's it going to cost, Lord? Let's go. Because whatever it is that it costs, by me listening to the, the grace of God that's on my life, by me being instructed by the Spirit, never going to be a cost to where it overwhelms me and I never reach the fulfillment of what it is he said I could do. There is a cost, but you're with the one that can help you meet it. Let's, let's pray right quick and we'll dive in. Father, we thank you for this time that we've come to where now we're about to dive into the word. I thank you. Uh, grass withers and flower fades, but it is your word that stands forever. And now that as we are about to dive into this word for the next few moments, thank you for the strength that is about to come forward. Thank you for the, the, the grace uh, that is upon us to be able to receive revelation from what it is that you are about to speak to us. Holy Spirit, we make space for you because no one does it better than you. We are asking for you to come and teach and correct and instruct and inspire us. Coach us in the understanding of uh, as we walk out your plan for our life, that there is a cost that is associated. Nevertheless, let us not be fearful of that cost. Let us be so enamored with going for it that we are more than willing to pay whatever price you say that we need to pay, Lord. I thank you for the strength that is about to be released from what it is that is said. Thank you, Father, for helping me to communicate this in the same way that it was given to me. Please don't let me trip up on my uh, insecurities and thoughts about myself or anything else. Let me be totally in surrender to what it is that you would have me to do and to be able to feed your people. And I thank you that everyone, including the one holding the microphone, is about to walk away strengthened and empowered. It's in the matchless name of Jesus that we pray. Someone shout amen. 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 Um, invite you to uh, to the book of Luke, chapter 14. This is where we're going to uh, spend, spend most of the time. I got a few more uh, supporting texts, but um, this is where we're going to uh, spend most of the time. Luke, chapter 14, starting at verse 25. Reading verses 25 to 35. I'll be in the Passion Translation for, for the most part. 
but then there'll be um, a few a few others. So going for it, ticket please. A conversation on on cost. There will always be some kind of exchange and cost associated with bringing anything into your life. Anything. Like we we can we can break this down as minute as buying uh, a pack of bubble gum. As minute as that is, it changes your life because at one time you did not have that pack of gum. And then it cost you to, to be able to make the exchange and get that within your life. So you see, see how, how far this goes. So if it, so if it uh, makes sense uh, in, that, in that sense with something so small, then when it comes to the, the macro conversation, of me uh, fulfilling my God-given destiny, then for certain, I, I cannot continue to be who I am right now to be able to encapsulate the fullness of who it is that, that he's called me to be. But Luke 14, starting at verse 25, let's, uh, we're going to read the entire thing and then just walk systematically through some things and see what the Lord says to us. Verse 25, as massive crowds followed Jesus... He turned to them and said, when you follow me as my disciple, you must put aside your father, your mother, your wife, your sisters, your brothers. Yes, you will even seem as though you hate your own life. This is the price you'll pay to be considered one of my followers. And anyone who comes to me must be willing to share my cross and experience it as his own, or he cannot be considered to be my disciple. 28. So don't follow me without considering what it will cost you. Don't follow me without considering what it will cost you. Just a sidebar. Look, look, look at the, the, the recruiting campaign of Jesus most people are going to come forward with all the good that you're going to get. If, if I'm trying to get you to join my team, most of the time I'm going to hit you with all the stuff that this is how this is going to bless your life, all the advantages that it's going to give you being with me, uh, all the good things that are going to happen to you and your family if you come and join my team, come and be with me. Jesus went the complete opposite. He's like, look, don't, don't follow me without considering the cost. You, you, you better make sure that this is what you really want, that this is what you really want. Because there are so many times where I might jump in on something off of my emotional high, but I have not gone into full consideration as to how things are going to shift and move and change. Because once again, if you're going to progress and move forward into anything within life, you can't be who you are right now. And if I love too much who I am right now, love them too much and am married to them too, too tightly to where I can't let them go to evolve into a greater version of myself that I might be able to hold what it is that he's saying, then he's saying you're doing yourself a disservice. You're doing yourself a disservice and, and you're going to make yourself massively frustrated because what the Lord is not going to do is change the way of his culture to fit the fact that I want to stay the same. Okay. I, 
I should have told you that it might have been a couple punches. I just, I just got to give it to you like, like he gave it to me. It was like a speed bag, the way he was hitting me with this. So we got we to gotta talk about it. So don't follow me without considering what it would cost you. For who would construct a house before first sitting down to estimate the cost to complete it? 29. Otherwise, this person may lay foundation but not be able to finish. Then the neighbors are going to ridicule him saying, look at him. He started the bill, but he couldn't finish. He couldn't complete it. 31. Have you ever heard of a commander who goes out to war without first sitting down with strategic planning to determine the strength of his army to win the war against a stronger opponent? If he knows he doesn't stand a chance of winning the war, the wise commander will send out delegates to ask for the terms of peace. 33, likewise, unless you surrender all to me, giving up all you possess, you cannot be one of my disciples. Salt is good for seasoning, but if salt were to lose its flavor, how could it ever be restored? 35, it will never be useful again, not even fit for the soil or the manure pile. If you have ears opened by the Spirit, then hear the meaning of what I have said and apply it to yourselves. Apply it to yourselves. Uh, jump back up, Tristan, to uh, verse 25, and we're we just going to walk, walk this thing out. 25, 26, 27, but just start on 25. So, so in, in these verses, you got, you got the crowd that comes, and then the Lord begins the discourse and just, lay, just laying it out of like, okay, here's the deal. If, if you don't, in, in New King James and in King James, it actually says, uh, if you don't hate mom, dad, brothers, sisters, even your own life. Now, when you dig into it uh, uh, from, from, original, from original language, it doesn't, it doesn't mean have like a disdain for, for your family. That, that's not what he's saying because that would be very, very opposite of, of, of who he is. It's not saying ha have just this utter hatred for, for your family. What it does mean is exactly how the passage translation says it, that if you don't set aside those relationships, if you don't set aside, basically what he is saying is, if, if you cannot make space in your heart for me to be top priority, if, if you have, have this, this relationship, this other relationship, be it with your mother, your father, uh, your children, your, your spouse, uh, your job, your fill in the blank. You're fill in the blank. Whatever it is, something else can hold the space within your heart that is reserved for the Lord and the Lord only. If that is something that is happening within me, then that right there has disqualified me from being a disciple of his. Now, when we're talking discipleship, see, these messages, I think I said this in the first week that I preached this, that we in these conversations, we are not talking about uh, uh, ground level uh ground level christianity uh salvation uh getting saved the, the, these these uh weeks are not those kind of messages for certain 
uh, if, the, if there is someone that's joining with us online that uh, is in need of salvation and you're in need of, of, of making Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, then for certain, we want to make sure that, that we help you uh, make that decision, explain to you why you need to make that decision, and then help you along the way with that. But what I am talking about in these next few weeks is understanding the, the, the cost of moving to the next tier uh, of discipleship. And being a disciple is being a student of one's life. Okay, in, in biblical times, whenever uh, a, a rabbi, a teacher uh, gathered together around himself disciples, they were not just students of what it was that he taught. They were students literally of his life. They, they did life with him. They, wa they watched him conduct life because his life was reflective of what it was that he was teaching. And if I'm going to be a disciple, then I've got to get close enough to where the lifestyle of what it is that he's doing. And the Lord sets the, the tone that for you to, to be one who embraces my life and the kind of life that I'm living, you've got to make sure that the space in your heart that, that is reserved for the top, the top tier of what it is that you, that you uh, set your devotion to and who you set your devotion on is me and me alone. The Lord says that's reserved for him. There is no one else that takes that space. So what does that mean in the context of me going for it? In the context of me going for the fullness of what it is that God has called me to do and who it is that God has called me to be, I use that relationship of Jesus being the sole devotion of my heart. I use that as the platform that I stand on and the bedrock that I use for my decision making. As I am moving forward in the fullness of who it is that he's called me to be, I'm using the fact that he is the sole devotion that I have as the foundation that, that I stand on. And as I use it as the foundation that I stand on, every decision that needs to be made has to run through the filter of he's the top. So as it runs through the filter of him being the top, no decision is ever made without his consultation. I, I, ha I have now uh, laid down the propensity and the habit of just getting involved with something because it's cool. Just getting involved with something because everybody else is doing it. Just getting involved with something because that's the fad and that's the thing of the day. I, I, I can no longer do that because, because at, at one time when it was me at the center of my heart, when it was me that was sitting on that throne, when it was self that was sitting in that space, of course I could make those kind of decisions. I could make those kind of decisions because I was at the top of my, of my own self and whatever I thought and whatever I wanted, that was the thing. But when I, when I cross over and when salvation has been given to me, when the gift of salvation has been given to me and that sinful, like prideful nature has now been crucified, I've now stepped into what Peter called the divine nature. And in divine nature, it is the divine nature of God that is the top of my heart the bedrock on which I stand for every decision I make everything everything has to be filtered through what it is that he's saying 
Everything has to be filtered through who it is. And when it comes to that conversation of me going for it, you, there's something that's on your life and we need you to go for it so that it, so that there is a gift that is expanded, that the earth is blessed, that the earth, the earth is blessed in the sense of the, there's a scripture in Romans 8 that says that the earth groans and travails awaiting the manifestation of the sons of God. If you keep going into that, the sons of God are those who hear the spirit of God. So you see all this connection of the earth waiting for this group of people who rise up and go for what it is that God has called them to do and who it is that God has called them to be. But there's no way for me to be able to hear from the spirit, be considered a son, if the spirit of God by way of Christ Jesus is not the center focus of my life. So the Lord is saying to them, listen, you got to be willing to put aside mom and dad, sisters and brothers. And it even seem like that, that you don't even like you. It seems that way, but that's not the case. Why is that not the case? Because this is the requirement of what it is for me to actually be able to go for and achieve who it is that God has called me to be. So you even seem like you hate your own life. This is the price you'll pay to be considered one of my followers and anyone who comes to me must be willing to share my cross and experience it as his own or he cannot be considered one of my disciples. Now, of course, we know that it, this, this doesn't mean uh, for me to just read and pray literally all day. That, that's, that's, not, that's, not what it's, that's not what we're saying when we talk about uh, having Jesus as, as, the top, as the top devotion of your heart. You may actually have days where, where you can do that and, and, and praise God, you know, if, if you do uh, ha have that time with, within your schedule. But that's not what we're talking about. What we are talking about is that every action has my heart for Jesus as its bedrock. Every decision that you're making. So we can stop right here. Point number one, am I making every decision with the Lord in mind? Am, am, I, am, I, am I sensitive enough to where I'm, I, am, I am allowing myself to acknowledge him in everything? Sound familiar? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean out on your own understanding. What did he say? In all your ways, acknowledge him. What happens? He directs the path. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He directs the path. He sets path direction. And where's the path direction leading? To the fullness of who he's called you to be. To the fullness of who, he, who it is that he has called me to be as I acknowledge him in everything that I'm doing. Acknowledging him in everything that I'm doing. Lord, I've, I've, got, this, I've got this desire that, that's, that's, that's within me, but I'm not sure what to do with it. Here, here's, here's what's going on within me. I submit it to you. What are you saying? There's an opportunity that's, that's right here, Lord. I, I really would like to go for it, but I, I need to hear from you first before I jump in on this. This, this, this is something that, that can get started today. These are things that, that, that you can get started right now and get started with today so that you can develop the muscle of what it is to have the advisement of the Spirit of God. Because I'm going to tell you, who, who greater to advise you in your life than the one who made you? 
Who greater to, to, to be able to, to go into a, a secret meeting with of you, just you and the Spirit of God and for him to give you the information that you need for your tomorrow? There's a great access that we've been given that I think that as a whole, the church has, has done a, a disservice in being able to take advantage of what it is that's made available to us by way of, of us acknowledging and setting the Lord as that top place within our heart. So in verse 28, he, he, te- he tells them that, um, that to, not, to not follow him without first considering what it costs. Don't follow me without first considering what it's going to cost you. So don't get involved without first considering what it's going to cost you. But at the same time, don't let costs scare you away. So don't let cost scare you away, but don't be ignorant of it. Because if, if I'm ignorant of cost, then as I was saying earlier, there's a massive frustration that I could be setting myself up for. Because as I'm coming into this, not recognizing that there's a cost that's involved, it can really throw me off course. Because I might come in with this preconceived notion that is free. And I'm going to tell you, catch this now. Catch this. Salvation is free. Okay? I already said it. These conversations are not about salvation. Okay? Salvation is free. The free gift of God. It is the gift of God that's been given that no man should be able to boast. It is completely free. All you have to do is acknowledge your sin and ask the Lord for forgiveness. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe that he is the the only begotten son of God, that he died for your sin, was raised on the third day. And you shall be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Eternal security. You're locked in. The grace of God is over you without question. It is a gift that is free. From him, salvation is the Lord's victory. It is the Lord's victory that we are benefactors of. We did not do anything for that. That is the free gift of God that's been given to us. Discipleship is a different conversation. That's a different conversation. Manifestation of the kingdom in the earth is a different conversation. Those who possess the power of the kingdom to where thy kingdom comes and thy will is being done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a different conversation. That one is going to cost you. For, for, for you to, to come out of the fullness of what it is that the Lord is placing within you, you know, that, that, that itch, that burn within you that you know life is supposed to do more, that life is supposed to produce more, that I'm supposed to be doing something with my life and doing something to a greater degree, that thing right there, that's going to cost you. That one's going to cost you. And for so long, the, the, the conversation in the church stops at salvation. It stops at getting saved. It stops at surrendering your life to the Lord. It stops at repeating the prayer. It stops at coming to the altar. It stops at uh, going to wherever it is that you might go to uh, for them to walk you through the the three steps of salvation or whatever it is, that however it is that we might say it. But in order for discipleship, there's a massive void of disciples in the body of Christ, a massive void of those who are followers of the way, followers of Jesus, those who have bent and surrendered their will 
yield and surrender their lifestyle, their life pattern to what it is that the Lord has said. Those who are bent on going for it. Those who say, I'm not going to live this life playing games with this thing. If the Lord is real and there's something that he's called me to, then I've got to bend my lifestyle and bend my life pattern to what it is that he's saying because I've got to go for this thing. And that one's going to cost, but the cost should never scare me. It costs. So what? You know what else it's going to cost? You staying the same. Don't think because you don't join in with this one that you're not going to pay something. You're going to pay either way. So if I'm going to pay, I'm going to pay to be evolved into who it is God said. I got to pay anyway. If I'm going to make a payment, why not go ahead and pay whatever it is that the Lord is requiring of me to be who it is that he has called me to be? Because it's, it's that one, it's that one that's going to get this mission accomplished. It's that one where I'm told that if I lose my life, I'm going to end up finding it anyway. But if I hold on to too tight who I am right now, and try and save it, he told me I'm going to end up losing it all in the end. He said, you can hold on to it, but then by the time you get to the end, what you thought you were going to find at the end ain't going to be there. But if you'll go ahead and lose it, in the right hands, mind you, if you go ahead and lose it, you're going to end up finding what you're looking for. This is a, it's a frustrating point within the church for many believers that cost association. And I think it's because we just haven't done the best job of understanding salvation and discipleship. Too many times we, we intertwine them like they're the same thing and they are not. One can be saved and not be a disciple. That's a student. We, we, we know. You know of people. We know of people. I myself have been there. Thought I was on one journey, but I was not. Salvation had been given to me, absolutely. But I was not a student. I was not a student of his life. I wasn't surrendering to where like, okay, that, that's about to be my life. What he's saying, where he's saying to go, what he's saying to do. But as that became the hunger of my soul, going for it became a greater appetite. And as a result, different things began to happen and different things are happening even right now. I'm telling you that there is, oh, this, this, this series, Elder Paul, just burns in me because I, I'm, I'm so bent and such an advocate of the body of Christ and the people of God, for certain the people of God that are here uh, in this ministry, on you becoming to the full degree who it is that God has called you to be. I, I'm talking every last one of your visions, every last dream that God has given to you. We are building this ministry in a way. We are setting the vision, setting things in place so that what's in you can get out of you. You cannot take it back to the grave with you. What good is it going to do? 
if it stays locked within you. It's not going to do much good for the earth if it goes back into the earth. These things must, must escape from my spirit and be manifested in a real way so that a real change is being made in the earth. But the first piece of the conversation is understanding that there's a cause. Excuse me. The first piece of that is understanding that there is a cost associated with it, but we should not allow that to scare us. So the Lord continues on with this of saying, okay, don't, don't follow me. Don't jump on the bandwagon with this without first considering what it's going to cost you. So light bulb shows that, okay, there is a cost associated with this, with that. Give me a verse 28, uh, Tristan, of this, Luke 14. So don't follow me without considering what it will cost you. For who would construct a house before first sitting down to estimate the cost to complete it? 29. Otherwise, he may lay foundation and not be able to finish, and then the neighbors are ridiculing, saying he didn't finish. Go back, go back to uh, 28 right quick. This is something, something I want to pull out with this. So the Lord starts throwing in examples of things that, that most people would, would not do. Okay? So, so who, who's going to construct a house, set, set out to have a goal to construct a house without first sitting down? Without first sitting down to estimate the cost that it's going to take to complete it. Stop. What I want to pull out from this is that last statement. To complete it. To complete it. Because there are, there are too many of us within the body of Christ that have too many hanging post-it notes, if you will. I'm speaking metaphorically. Too many things, post-it notes from all the things that we have started but never completed. And we said God told us to do these things. Come on, come on, don't, don't log off. I know I'm digging in your stuff. I'm digging in mine too. Don't, don't log off. He said, he said he, he sit, he's going to construct the house, but he first should sit down to estimate the cost of completing. So cost comes into the equation, and cost is talked about because the objective is for you to finish. The objective is not for you to get started and then fall off by the wayside. The objective is not for you to get yourself involved and then the backtrack and then get yourself involved in something else and then backtrack and then get yourself involved in this and then backtrack. No, no. Whenever we're talking about cause, the cause is only being talked about because it's talked about in the context of once you get started, I need you to complete and to finish this. And what I'm saying to us with go for it, what it is that God is calling you to go for, we need your energy and stamina in a place to where when you get started you go finish this thing the cost is going to take in order for you to complete 
this thing, to complete it. Cost is always calculated for the purpose and intention of finishing a work, sticking it out to the end. God expects that once our hand has been placed to it, that we would complete the work. Give me my Luke 9 scripture, please. Luke 9, 62, Hebrews 12, 2. But Jesus said to them, no one having put their hand to the plow and looking back is what? Fit for the kingdom. I'm not fit for the kingdom if I still have the propensity within me to start and stop. Start and stop. Start and stop. Start and stop. Because what's going to eventually have to happen is that I'm going to have to have a come to Jesus meeting with myself and ask the question, did God really tell me to do that? Or was I just moving in what I thought was right? Was I just in an emotional moment? Because that smooth talking salesman got me. But that webinar got my attention, and they got me, and I got myself going with this. No one having put their hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. Fitness. You're not building your inner man in a way to where you can keep up with the requirements of what it is to walk the kingdom. Now, there may be times where things are tried and and they don't work out. I've had that happen in my life. Submitting something to God, put my best foot forward, didn't work. But what I can say of that is it got completed. After this has been completed and everything has been done in the way that it needs to, and it turns out that it did not unfold in the way that I thought that it should, then there's another step that comes in of assessing, all right, do we continue forward with this based off of the cost that is happening? Or do we move forward into, into the next thing that we feel like God is, God is telling us to go for? See, this, this is very pragmatic and very practical message today point is that God's called you to complete. God's called you to finish. God himself sets the template of finishing. Remember, he's the one who declares the end from the beginning. Doesn't start till he's finished. God, God starts at the end. Starts at the end, works his way backwards. So the only way that that Something has been started with God is the fact that it's already been finished. So if something start, has started to happen in your life, that right there is enough to give him praise because that should give the clue that it's already been completed. If God started to change your heart concerning a relationship, the fullness of that's already been completed. If God has started bringing you out of debt and started getting your finances and stuff in order and you see these things starting to align and started to get, get your clarity within your mind. It, all of that is a clue that it's already been completed and been finished. It's just time for us to be able to walk out from where we are in time 
to where it is that he's taking us to. Give me, give me the next scripture too, Hebrews 12 too. So no one looking back, uh, taking a hand off the plow is, is fit for the kingdom. But let's look at this. Look at under Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has now sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. A finisher. For the joy that was set before him endured Doed the cross, despising the shame. Yes, there was so much that was involved there, but still, I am a finisher. When I start, I finish. When I set myself to move forward and to do something, I'm going to get it done. For the joy that was set before him continued to move forward. Because the Lord expects the work to be complete. So back to uh, Luke 14. For who would construct a house before first sitting down to estimate the cost to complete it? Otherwise, he may lay foundation and not be able to finish. He'll lay foundation but not be able to finish. The neighbors would ridicule him saying, look at him. He started to build, but he couldn't what? He couldn't finish. He couldn't finish. That's a testimony of so many people. He lays foundation. You know what they're saying? He started well, but... It started good. It came out the gate hard. If you ever watched any of uh, the, the Olympics actually happening right now, if you ever watched uh, any of the uh, track, track um, races, especially uh, those that, that are extended, not, not so much the, uh, the 100 meter, but, but the ones that are longer, you, you, you have to watch for the fact that those runners understand that there's a pace that's involved. Because if I come out the gate too fast and expend too much energy too quickly, I'm not going to have what it is that I need to be able to complete the race. For the race is not given to the swift, nor the strong, but to what? Him that endures. There's a pace to going for it. As, as, much, as much zeal as you might have right now, as much, as much energy as you might have right now, and that's good. I, I, I need to have that because I need to have some sense of go-getting about me and some sense of passion uh, about what it is that God has said. But i got to understand at the same time that throughout my lifetime, there's a pace that the Lord's calling me to. Because, because if I don't understand pace, then El Paul, I'm going to come out the gate and I'm going to lay that foundation. But then I'm going to look around and I'll have nothing else left. To be able to finish the project. To be able to finish the project and then the neighbors or whoever it is says he's not a finisher. He's not a finisher. Not a finisher in, in allowing the Lord to, to do work within me. Because when, let, let's talk about the foundation just for, for a little bit. You know, when it, when it comes to any kind of building project, m- most of the time, Foundation is, is what takes the longest. Foundation is what takes the longest in, in, uh, any kind, in, most, in most building projects. And when, when I'm in, in foundation laying mold, most of that work too happens on the ground and cannot be seen. So when the Lord has foundational work that is happening within me, it's taking a long time. And it can't be seen. It's taking a long time. And it, and it can't be seen. But there's coming a time to where the work 
gets completed. I should not always be in foundational laying mode. If, if, we, if we always lay in foundation, then when's the building ever going to get built? Because the whole point of the project is for the building to end up being built. But if I'm always laying foundation, then I never get to that point. So the point is, after he lays foundation, he, he's not able to finish because that there, is, there is another piece of the work. There's, some, there's something to be completed. There's something to, to be finished. And for, for, a lot, for a lot of us, we've laid the foundation of accepting the, the finished work of Jesus Christ because that, that's foundational for who it is that we are as believers. So we lay that foundation, but then we never take the next step to actually complete the work. Complete the work of the structure of going for who it is that God's called you to be. If, 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 God, if God's goal was just to get you into heaven, then leaving you here on the earth doesn't make much sense. As soon as you accept him, just boom. Wipe you out, bring you home. If that were the goal. But I think the fact that, that we continue to have life and a lifetime continues to be given to us should give us clue that there's something else. There, there's another agenda. There's something that he's trying to bring here and that he's using us as the conduits that he wants to be able to bring his kingdom through. But in bringing his kingdom uh, through us, it requires for us to be able to identify what is it that the Lord is telling me to go for? What is it that, that is beating within me that the Lord is giving me the green light on? And what is it that he's saying that this is going to cost me to be able to go for? And when you go for it, we need you to finish strong. We need you to finish strong. If the Lord is doing a work in you and transforming you into who it is that you need to be, he's working on anxiety, he's working on unforgiveness, he's working on fear, he's working on shame, he's helping you steward your money better, he's helping you to be able to relate to other people. We need you to fully submit to that until that process is complete because I believe uh, that we can draw from this scripture that the neighbors is the world the, those who, who don't subscribe to what it is that we believe and they're already looking for some kind of way to ridicule so when we've got believers out there who are not able to finish what it is that, that the Lord has set to their hands that needs to get done the world has that as the target to be able to point at and say <laughs> I knew they I knew they weren't going to finish I knew, I knew Jesus was nobody to take serious. His, his own people, those who claim to follow him, are not finishers. We need a grace for finishing strong. The Lord has called you to finish strong. Yes, there are tough moments and tough days throughout that process, but you still have been called to finish strong. You're called to finish strong because that, that's, that's the hallmark of what we want to hear when we cross over. What do we want to hear? Well 
done thy good and faithful servant. That comes because you finished strong. You finished strong. But I need to go ahead while I'm still here on the earth and still have my lifetime. Go ahead and make a habit of finishing, completing strongly. There's a grace on you to finish strong. There's a grace on you that what God has said for you to complete it to its complete fullness. To its complete fullness. The earth needs you to rise to the occasion. We fellow kingdom believers need you to rise to the occasion. Your children need you to rise to the occasion. Your grandchildren need you to rise to the occasion and finish strong. Finish this thing out strong. But let's go to uh, 31, 32. Give me, just a, give me just a few more moments here with this. 31 and 32. Now, though, there's a question, though, that we got to ask. We got to ask a question now. What happens if I don't have enough? If I don't have what it takes to finish this thing out? Let's, let's look at this dialogue here. Have you ever heard of a commander who goes out to war without first sitting down with strategic planning to determine the strength of his army to win the war against a stronger opponent? 32. If he knows he doesn't stand a chance of winning the war, so he knows he can't do it, the wise commander will send out delegates to ask for the terms of peace, ask for the terms of peace. First point I want to make from this is that when, you, when you're going for it and you're moving in, in strategic planning, you, you, you're moving forward within your life of grasping a hold to, to what it is that, that God has called you to, uh, what it is God has called you to start what it is God has called you to, to get involved in, what it is God's called you to invent, the ideas that God has called you to bring forth within the earth. As you're moving forward in, in living that kind of life, uh, you may come up on moments to where you feel like you are empty in certain areas and have voids in particular areas where you need something to be so that something else can happen. We, we all hit, hit that moment. And hit that time. So what do we do within the area? Number one, I think that first we need to, you need to know where you are and consult with the Holy Spirit on what it's going to take to get done whatever it is that you need to get done. Go, go back to 31. Let's, let's just walk, walk this thing through. Heard of a commander who goes out to war without first sitting down with strategic plan. Look at, look at how before, so, so both the builder of the, the house or the tower and the commander here, both of them already have their objective first of what it is that they're trying to do. But they don't just go out and do it. First, they sit down to assess what do I have? What do I have? What is this going to cost me? This is just absolute pure wisdom, which is what all of this is about in the first place. It's about wisdom. And in the wisdom of me first being able to sit down and say, what is this? 
really going to cost me? So, so he goes out to, he doesn't go out to war without first sitting down with strategic planning to determine the strength of his army to win the war against a stronger opponent. So know, knowing what's going on around him, knowing the market, if you will, knowing what's, what's around me, that army's stronger. I'm not as strong as them. So do, do I actually have what it takes to get this accomplished? Knowing where you are and consulting with the Holy Spirit on what it's going to take to get something done. Just, just because you might have a gap in the sense of where you are and where it is that God has called you to and you start to find that there are empty spaces does not mean you have not been called to it. Because for too many of us, when we assess the situation and we see that we've got empty spaces, we immediately take that as God doesn't want me to. And that's not necessarily true. Why? Because something might be delayed, but that doesn't necessarily mean that something has been denied. What if that's nothing more than an opportunity for your faith muscle to kick in? What, what if that is nothing more than an opportunity for you to exercise what you claim you have? Because how, 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 do, how do I know that you actually have it if you never actually get in a situation where you got to use it? Well, let's just flip it around. How, how do I know I actually have that if I don't get in a situation According to what I got to exercise faith. Now, me and my personality, me personally, I'm one of those people who love to be in control. And so when things start to get a little chaotic and whatnot, I usually don't bend to faith first. That's why I have my wife. I love her. Oh, love her. Because it's so easy for her to believe God. We have things that are going on, and I, I'm the one who, who's, who's like just way more... The, the word that's coming to my mind is realistic, and I know that's the wrong word, but you, you understand what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I'm the one that's, that's looking at the factual things of what's happening and what's going on, what is there and what is not there. But I, ha I have to be reminded by her of, aren't we people of faith? We are. And if we are, then they're going to, there are going to come times to where we have to live up to the name of the people that we are. And the faith component has to come in. Delay does not necessarily mean deny. And, and also in, in these uh, verses right here, uh, just, just, just eisegetical insinuation, just, just me in, in looking into the text and digging into the text, th this king did not have what he needed to get the job done, but that did not mean that there wasn't ever going to come a time to where he eventually got what he needed to get the job done. Why? Armies grow. You're not stuck forever with this small army. People are going to retire. They're going to move on. You, you, got, you got turnover. You got people coming in. You got, you got soldiers that you're raising up. You got soldiers that you're training. You got strength that you're adding into the army. So you're not going to always stay like this. 
You're not going to always be in this situation to where you've got this void. If you continue to move forward and progress in what it is that God has called you to and say, okay, I might have a void, I might have a gap right here, but there's something else I can be working on. There's something else that I can be doing. This is something I'm just going to submit to God, and there's something that he's going to work here. But what I can do is put my hands to what it is that... You've got to have an attitude that says, I'm going to go for what it is that God said that I can have, and there's nothing that's going to cause me to deny what God has promised. I might not have that, so what? I've got something else. I've got something else, and we need you to go for it with the attitude that delayed is not denied. Put your hands to something else. Put your hands to something else. Because we don't know that that king wasn't going to have an army that, that was going to grow eventually. And then he gets to the space now where he can go out and handle business. You're not going to always be locked in this lot of life. You're not always going to be locked in this season. You're not always going to be locked with this amount of money, with that salary, with that what's, what's going on. You're not going to always be locked in that vehicle. You're not going to always be locked in that kind of house and in that apartment. You're not going to always be in this space in your mind and in your heart. There's growth that's going to happen. There's growth. There's movement. There's progress that's going to happen. For most of us, you don't have to look far. Just think about your life 10, 15 years ago. And look at you now. For most of us, there are things that have been added. There's things, there's growth. You're wiser, you're smarter than what you were at that time. Why? Because God has us in a space to where he, he's pushing us to go for it and equipping us with what we need. To be able to get that done. Just real quick on that. I did something in my notes called cost analysis within this particular story. This, this uh, commander had two, two particular costs that I want to uh, pull up right quick. He had, number one, the cost of what or who may be lost. He had an army that he had oversight of. And having an army that he had oversight of, he had to look at, all right, I'm looking at the strength of mine, but it's not enough to meet the situation that's at hand. The opponent is stronger. And if I put my army out there, I'm going to put them at risk unnecessarily. In other words, there are other people involved in the decision. That's all I'm trying to bring up. There are other people involved in the, in the decision. And for us, I want to say you going for it doesn't just affect you. That's why I need you to pull from that. You going for it in your life does not just affect you. Now, Check this out. It's the same on the other side. If you don't go for it, it doesn't just affect you. If I don't go for it, if I don't sell out and abandon myself to the call of God, I don't have to. 
free will. I don't have to. But just know that the effects and the ramifications don't just stay in your, in your immediate personal circle. You know who else didn't believe? You know who didn't believe that? We've talked about him a lot. The brother with the one talent. Remember? He, the only reason he didn't go and trade with that talent was he said, he said he knew the master to be a hard and shrewd man, reaping what he had not sown, all that basically saying, you're a hard guy and I didn't want to lose your stuff. So, instead of me risking losing the stuff, I'm just going to dig a hole, put it in the ground so that I just give you back what you gave me. Who was the one that got reprimanded the hardest? The guy with the one talent. Because I know you've got it in you to go for it, but you didn't. Because, you're, because you were afraid. And what actually happened to that guy in that story was that he was cast into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Showing what? There was nothing more that could even come from him. No chance of another generation being born out of him. You going for it or not going for it doesn't just affect you. And so now I have to take that in mind. All right. I see this. I see the, I hear what the Lord is saying. I hear what he's calling me to. And I'm a little nervous and a little scared to do it. But how's this going to affect my kids? Me being scared like this. Me being fearful. Me, me not uh, allowing the Lord to really deal with this fear and deal with this anxiety and deal with these things and deal with these faulty perceptions and thought processes in my head. Not letting him really deal with that, but me keeping, keeping up, putting up a front as to why I'm still stuck in the same area and I'm just really not going for it because I'm not really abandoning myself. How is this going to affect my babies? I don't want them growing up doing the same thing. I don't want their kids growing up doing the same thing. I don't want their kids growing up being fearful of decision making, being fearful of what, the, of what the world might do to them or being fearful of what's around them or having some dream and passion within them but being scared to go for it although it is God and heaven sent still being afraid to move forward within that. I don't want my children being like that. I know you don't want your children being like that. So you know the solution that we both have to put forward? We got to go for it. We got to go for it. Because in doing that, we break the back of fear. We break the back of fear because they get a template that I saw mama do it. I saw mama come home, two jobs, get me and my brother together, get the food ready for us, and then her go under a lamp and read because she's studying. Saw daddy working to start, to start this business, and he was kind of back and forth a lot of stuff like that, but I saw what it looked like to watch somebody go for it. I saw mama graduate. I saw that it could be done. These are pictures that they get, that the next generation gets. 
And praise God that it doesn't even necessarily just stop with our children. It's about the next generation as a whole. Because there's somebody that they're going to befriend who might not have access to what going for it looks like. But because they befriended the right little girl, they befriended the right little boy. They get a snapshot of what it looks like to go for who it is that God's called you to be. You have got to go for it. My last, my last statement, I got a little bit more, but I just, I just do not have the time. Maybe we'll hit, we'll hit late, uh, next week. Go ahead and play, Ryan, so you, so you can help me land this plane. Give me uh, verses 34 and 35, Tristan, of, uh, of Luke 14. Because this, this particular, um, these verses, almost uh, when I read them, I don't know if you, if you could hear, just they don't even seem like they fit in context. We, we, go, we go from talking about cost, uh, what it's going to cost you to be a disciple, and uh, talking about, you know, this, this guy building a house. He first got to uh, assess the cost to complete it, this commander, making sure that his army can, um, can win the war. They can't, so he's asking for terms of peace. And then, we, and then the Lord starts talking about salt. He goes, salt is good for seasoning. But if it were to lose its flavor, how could it ever be restored? 35. It'll never be useful again, not even fit for the soil or the manure pile. If you have ears opened by the Spirit, then hear the meaning of what I have said and apply it to yourselves. Uh, 34. Go back to 34. Flavor can be replaced by the word foolish in the Greek or Aramaic. Okay? So, 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 so where you see flavor it can actually be food. So, salt is good for seasoning, but if salt were to, were to, lo- were to lose its flavor, or it would become foolish. That's what it would say. Salt would be foolish if it did not have flavor attached to it, right? So, if salt without flavor is foolish, then the opposite has to be true. Salt with flavor, with flavor, equals wisdom. Salt without flavor is foolish. Salt with flavor. Is wisdom. Now give me a Matthew 5, 13 through 15. I think it should be at the end. Yes, sir. Matthew 5, 13 through 15. Your lives are like salt among the people, but if you like salt become bland, how can your saltiness be restored? Flavorless salt is good for nothing and will be thrown out and trampled on by others. 14. Your lives light up the world. Let others see your light from a distance. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And uh, 15. Who will uh, light a lamp and then hide it in an, in an obscure place? Instead, it's a place where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. So, so in, in, this, in these uh, texts we just read, after he spoke of salt, he spoke of light. Spoke of salt and he spoke of light. This was because it was common practice back in Jesus' day that they, they would take the wick of a lamp and they would put salt on it. And in putting salt on it, that would cause the flame to shine brighter. Okay? That would cause the flame to, 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 shine, to shine brighter so that a, a greater amount of light 
could could be given. Now let's bring let's bring it back to to what it is that that we were just reading in uh, in Luke. Salt is good for seasoning, but if the salt were to lose its flavor, then how could it be restored? It'll never be useful again. Not even fit for the soil or the manure pile. In in context of everything we've been talking about today, the the willingness of the builder, the commander, the Lord telling us to count the cost is a is a sign of a life of wisdom you've got you've got to be wise to go for it you've got to have a sense of wisdom which comes by way of the holy spirit none of this am i talking about willpower and me just being a smart person that's not what I'm talking about because we got to understand that the call itself, the pull itself, the go for it itself comes from God. So if it comes from God, then I've got to have his wisdom and his consultation to be able to properly move forward and go after what it is that, that he's told me that I can go for. We need, we need that. We need the flavor of our salt because that's a sign of us being wise. You're flavorful salt. You're wise people. We have to be a wise people because flavorless salt is thrown out and trampled on, which is saying a life that claims the kingdom but does not bear any wisdom is not taken seriously, and the light that it could bring is trampled out and stomped on by the world. I think this is too, this is why so many people are fearful of going for it. Because of the thought of being stomped on like that. But if I'm moving and navigating in wisdom, that's not something that I really have to be concerned with. Yes, there's cost, but I have access to the wisdom that I need to be able to navigate that cost. It's going to cost you. Yeah, you can't stay the same. No. But why would you want to? of Christ because we've been so trained by the world that when something has a price tag on it that I cannot meet that I should just give up and walk away but that's not our call in the kingdom when a cost is given that I feel like I can't meet that's when I lean into him because some way somehow there's something that he's going to do it's going to cause me to be able to meet the cost of the day as thy days are so shall thy strength be come on put your hands together to celebrate the word of the lord hallelujah stand to your feet please and go ahead and dismiss you lift your hands may the lord bless you keep you cause his face to shine upon you establish you give you peace and help you to be able to properly assess the cost that it's going to take for you to be who he's called you to be but be encouraged because he's walking with you every step of the way in Jesus name you are dismissed I love you we will see you next week God bless you